gentleness is not a character trait that would let a creature survive a long time. Like, right. you have spikes on porcupines for a reason because they can't attack. Gentleness feels hard because it is. It is counterintuitive to you on like a physiological level. You've been wronged. That triggers the little spark in your noggin where it's like, well, fight time or I'm going to run or both. Exactly. And gentleness is really that conscious choice to override your body's response to something. That's right. hard. Welcome to the Really Real Podcast, an elaborate excuse for three friends to occasionally escape quarantine for just long enough to spend a little time in the actual real-life physical presence of other human beings. Here's Anson, Kara, and Isaac. Hello and welcome to the Really Real Podcast, Episode 70, a show where three friends sit down for a drink and some refreshingly honest conversation about real life. So here's what we've got on tap for the show today. First up is our quote of the week, and I've got a quote for us I'll be sharing from a book called Co-Laborers and Co-Heirs. And at first glance, this quote could seem to be focusing in on the debate about gender roles, and that can be a little bit of a scary topic for us to wade into on the yeah. podcast. I'm ready to fight. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Since we're not exactly experts in that area, but I will say, I think really underneath that, the real purpose of the quote that I'll share is about humility. Mm. And we'll discuss that a little bit more a okay. little later in the show. Then we have, is it just me, Kara? You've got a weird coping mechanism <laughs> yeah. that you're going to be sharing with us on the show. And I am very much looking forward to discovering know, what right? your weird coping mechanism is. It's quite the hook. It's a really, really good tease. <laughs> yeah. Panel of experts is Isaac today. And I'm just going to read straight off the sheet here. A news story that involves concern over a mythical mascot in a small <laughs> Arkansas town. Yes. Ooh, okay. <laughs> that is what it is going to be. Nice. That is an Isaac conversation starter if I've ever heard a one. A little preview. The yeah. mascot's name is Little Henry. <laughs> so... Perfect. That definitely makes me even more excited. Yes. Perfect. And then our word of the week for this week. We're going back to the positive side. We've got gentleness mm. on tap. We uh, did discipline last week, and I think we didn't want to break Kara. That's right. With two really, really hard you words. You right. can't do too many in a row. In a right. row. I will right. break. So we had to pick one of Kara's maybe favorite words, I'm guessing. Yeah. Taking a wild shot in the dark. I think, yeah. With I think gentleness. Probably so. So I'm going to ruin that happy feeling okay. right away. <laughs> <laughs> with kind of a Let's challenging go. question right <laughs> off the bat. Who do you have the hardest time showing gentleness toward? Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> I'm just, we'll let you start, I, Isaac. I'm closing my list labeled enemies on my laptop oh, I, here before I... Okay, so, no, you don't I'm, have to name specific okay, names. Yeah, yeah, we can yeah, talk yeah, in generalities right, right, if that makes it easier. Probably a good idea. I think entitlements is a hard thing to be gentle mm -hmm. in response to. Having dealt with people both in a professional and just personal capacity, entitlement yeah. is always that thing that kind of like is just... <laughs> get my strangling hands like <laughs> just... Nah. I just hate entitlement. It's a yucky it's feeling. It's not good. I have the hardest time being gentle towards people who are not gentle or people who are uh, big meanies. Yes. <laughs> I just want to, I mean, I see somebody do that and like it rises up in me and I'm like, oh, you're going down. Yeah. Like, we want to see mean? Watch this. And right. So then I'm very not gentle. 
towards them. Yeah, Even if it's only in my brain. It's kind of ironic. Right? I know. It's that, very like, ironic. It's yeah. a lack of gentleness that leads us to the same thing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It seems Super like that's mature. often yeah. true in a lot of areas of our life, though, you know? <laughs> yeah. I'll take it a little bit of a different direction. I think I often have a really hard time being gentle to my kids. Mm. And gentleness towards kids, I feel like, is really difficult. Yeah. Probably for a lot of the reasons you guys are already describing. Kids yeah. tend to be very entitled. Yeah. Uh, they tend to be not very gentle. And then I think the layer that gets added to that is when you're interacting with a child, you have a responsibility as an adult to be the adult (laughs) in the situation. When you have that responsibility and the other person isn't doing that, that makes it really difficult. Way harder. And so, yeah, especially with kids, you literally have all of the responsibility on your shoulders to be the gentle one. That doesn't always happen. Spoiler alert. So we can talk about that a bit later in the show as well. But first, what is everybody drinking today? I'll kick us off with uh, a really exciting one here. I am drinking a glass of water. So that's pretty exciting. And actually, I will throw this out there. Our office actually has the old fashioned water cooler that we we get. We truly have a water cooler. We have an actual water cooler that is delivered by Colligan. (laughs) And uh, shout out to Colligan. They have good water. This is a brand, not not an Irish lad that rolls in with his own supply of water. A young Irish boy. I got your water, Ham! I love you, Isaac. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, no, this is this is the brand, Colligan. I, I'm pretty sure the guy that comes in is Could not named Colligan. That? that would be awesome. Be and he so seems great. distinctly American. Yeah. Um, but they have good water. Like, sometimes yeah. I go for a run and I stop by the studio to fill up my water bottle. Yeah. And, like, the first water bottle, my water from home, uh-huh. is just not as good as the Colligan water <laughs> when I fill it up the second time. Like, I don't know how they're the fan. I'm sure they have some, like, marketing materials on, like, their fancy from Aurora and Irish process, exactly. We bottle our water, <laughs> but it's actually good. Like it actually does taste a little different. Does it yeah. make you I run think. faster? Probably not. But I'm it just curious. Oh, it tastes so. I would pure. argue that it does. It's, yeah, it's so pure. So pure. It's delicious. Okay. So, I hope that check from Col- Culligan clears. By <laughs> I the way. know. Yeah. yeah no, they did not pay me to endorse them. <laughs> I just feel like they don't get a lot of you know. That's a brand you don't hear a lot about. Yeah. It's true. So shout out to Culligan hey, for Culligan their man. delicious water. It's Way nice, to go! Nice I appreciate done. you. <laughs> All right. While Isaac recovers from that, um, I am drinking what's called a James Brown Butter Latte from Mm. a local coffee shop. It's got brown butter and powdered sugar and vanilla, which seems like a strange combination, but it's really good. That's one of our local coffee shop specialties. It's so good. Yeah. You have to order it like James Brown, too. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Sure, Kara does that every 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 single time. (laughs) Uh, This morning, I missed my window of time to brew a pot of coffee at home. Oh, no. And I also, since I rode down, I didn't want to ride to a shop and bring a cup of coffee like on my bike. That's fair. What I did do was open up my fridge and notice that I had a bread bowl in there. And I thought, you're just like coffee. Crack drink. (laughs) And there's like this 10 minute delay of, oh, no. So (laughs) I did drink a Red Bull before the podcast. (laughs) However, I am drinking my hydro flask full of water as sort of like the come down from that. So Uh, yeah, I think we'll probably see a decrease in energy level. Okay, so see uh, two things here. Number one, I'm really glad you drank a Red Bull for the gentleness podcast because that's that's going to add a whole new layer. (laughs) I think it's going to be great to the podcast. Magic is going to be created. And number two, when I saw this hydro flask over here, which is many many ounces of flask, (laughs) big boy, I was a little concerned when. 
I saw Red Bull on the sheet. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because if that was filled with Red Bull, yeah. I was going to start to be a little worried for your safety. You'd have to stage an intervention. So. Heart attack on the podcast like a hero. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Go down. So the fact that you had the Red Bull pre Hydro flask. Yeah. It's good news. It's comforting to this me. This is a, a 40 bit. ounce hydro flask. Yeah. So this is that. I think that's enough to take me out. If you did 40 <laughs> ounces of Red Bull. Yeah, that'd be You're, bad. Yeah. We would probably have to change the word of the week. We're talking about grief again. <laughs> Isaac is dead. I think I've seen a YouTube video where some guys actually did drink that much or more Red Bull and they got to this level of alternate reality, like yeah. the way that they were seeing colors kind of yeah, thing and the way they were talking about stuff. Yeah. It was hilarious. Never ingest that much. Taste the color blue. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, All right. What's on repeat for this week? My on repeat is the new one from 21 Pilots. It's called Shy Away. Don't you shy away. 21 Pilots is back after their 2018 album Trench. And then they released one pandemic single in the middle there. Now they're back with their first single from their brand new album coming up very soon. This is called Shy Away. And I really love the story behind this song. Tyler, the lead singer for 21 Pilots, said that the song basically started out as a tutorial on how to make a song for his younger brother. Because his younger brother was like, so how do you produce your songs anyway? That's cool. well, let me show you. Like first you grab a simple little synth and then a little drum beat and you kind of put together a little ditty and this is the building blocks for your song. That's so And I cool. love that, at least to my ears, it kind of sounds like he left that in the song because cool. the beginning of the song basically sounds like a cheat synth and drum beat. Yeah. But then Tyler talks about how this song turned into basically a letter from him to his younger brother on pursuing your passions, on Mm. pursuing what you're interested in, not shying away from that. He says, uh, lyrically, it kind of turned out to talk about being an older brother and how the only thing tougher than trying to figure out what your own purpose is, is watching someone that you love Mm. try to figure out their purpose. And so that's kind of the perspective behind this song. There's a couple great lines in the song. One that I love is he says, shed your modesty and leave your skin on the floor. Hmm. My daughter, Avi, heard the line, leave your skin on the floor. I went like, <laughs> like what is what he talking about? That, that sounds terrible. But the album <laughs> art funny. for the song is actually a dragon. And I think that kind of gives some insight into the metaphor that's happening here. Yes. This idea of shedding your skin, right? Like a, a reptile yeah. or something. Yeah. Because you kind of outgrow it almost and you're mm-hmm. growing into something mm-hmm. new. Yeah. And so I think that's kind of what he's talking about, right? Like shed your modesty. Don't be afraid to grow into kind of a new version yeah, mm. that's cool. of yourself. Leave your skin on the floor behind yeah. you. And then in the chorus, he says, don't shy away. You manifest a ceiling when you shy away. Basically, what he's saying is sometimes when we're a little nervous about our own ability in an area, mm. or we don't have a lot of self-confidence, we have maybe almost a little too much modesty. Oh. And when we do that, we kind of generate or manifest this ceiling on our ability to reach our full potential Yeah, because we're too worried about like, well, what are people going to think of me? Am I actually going to be successful at doing this thing? Mm. Imposter syndrome that we've talked about before. Interesting. And so he's saying shed that modesty when it's appropriate. So you don't manifest a a ceiling for yourself. You can achieve the thing that you have purposed to yeah. achieve. So super cool. I really love the story behind this song and it's a bop too. It's a, it's a fun <laughs> song as well. Yeah. Shy away by 21 pilots. My on repeat this week is found you by Asher Postman. When I finally found you. 
last week, Anson was listening to some music and he's like, Hey, there's a new one by Asher Postman. And I was like, who's that? And then he played the song for me and I was like, yes, more please. Um, <laughs> this is basically an EDM worship song, which is my jam right yeah. up my alley. And I don't have a lot to say about it, except it's very fun, very upbeat. Windows down, summer's coming. It's a good one. One of the things I love about Asher Postman is he actually has a YouTube channel where mm-hmm. he then breaks down how he produced his yeah, songs. That's cool. And I'm kind of like getting into dabbling with like music production and learning about it. And as someone who has no idea what they're doing and is terrible yeah. at it, he's You're- actually been a really good resource of like, he breaks down like in Found You. Here's how I built all of these synth sounds and here's how they're all layered on top of that's each other. So cool. And even if you're not interested in music production, it's actually kind of a cool peek into yeah. like, yeah. sometimes we just hear a song and we're like, oh yeah, that sounds really cool. Yeah. And we don't realize the amount of work no that kidding. goes into producing yeah. these songs. And oh, he's like man. showing off this like 120 different layers right. of sounds yeah. that make up oh, this song and how they all fit together. That's amazing. It results in a really big, energetic, yeah. cool sound in, in this song. And one that, yeah, I really like too. Yeah. So yeah. Mine, not surprising here. Uh, Willie by No Big Deal and Andy Mineo. I feel like I have generally the most predictable on repeats. Like, <laughs> well, I don't know. We all have our lanes. Yeah. But do. No Big Deal. That is one of my he's favorite like, artists of like all time. <laughs> he's the coolest. It's one of those tracks that I think any other rapper would be just like a flex track. But mm-hmm. I really think this is just No Big Deal and Andy Mineo having fun on a track together. Yeah. Nice. And the video, if you haven't seen the video for the song, is hilarious mm-hmm. and so good. So it's a lighthearted, goofy song. He references Kermit the Frog in it. And that, I missed that. The, yeah, just the entire lyrical breakdown of the song is so much No fun. big deal lyrics. I cannot wait every time he releases a new song to yeah. listen to it because there's something almost subversive about his lyrics and like the cultural references that he drops. I mean, like, he's he covered Kermit the Frog, anime. Dragon Ball Z, yeah. anime, and Hathaway. <laughs> oh, wow. He references 50 Cent because uh, 50 wears yeah, a bulletproof yeah. vest on right. a lot of his covers. Oh, yeah, it's funny. just... I mean, all of the references that he drops, there's so many of them. You almost have to pull up the genius lyrics he's made as for, you listen like, to him and just follow along because there's so, so many easter eggs his goofy songs like this are made for genius annotations because yes. like <laughs> yeah. every line is yellow it's like oh right. he's talking about this yeah, episode. they have to explain everything yeah this yeah. this specific episode of dragon ball z in this moment yeah it's, everything is a reference yeah that's so so good. but i love it i love the care with which he crafts that. oh yeah because yeah, so that good. takes a lot of effort and absolutely energy Words are, in my not-so-humble opinion, our most inexhaustible source of magic. The Quote of the Week. Now it is time for our Quote of the Week, where we serve up a nugget of wisdom to snack on, maybe a few French fries as well. There may be a few French fries along with this one. <laughs> See what you guys think <laughs> this week. What does mean? Is, I don't know, but that's fun. <laughs> I don't know, just trying to play off the... The metaphor, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go with that. Right, Go with right. that. Anyway... <laughs> Isaac, shut me down. <laughs> Sorry. Aww, the book that this quote is from is called Co-Laborers and Co-Heirs. And it's a series of essays, primarily from women, a few men as well, on the role of women in the modern Christian church mm. in America. And here's the quote. This is actually from one of the guy's essays in the book. His name is Mark Lauterbach. And here's what he says. Most of the difficulties I have had or observed with women in the church have not been resolved by clarifying gender roles. They have been resolved by me repenting of my male hubris and disrespect for women. Whoa. (laughs) Right. There's a lot of complex, deep theological debate about gender roles in the church. We could 
talk mm-hmm. for a long, long time about complementarianism and egalitarianism. And all of that is actually really, really important. By not talking about that, I'm not wanting to diminish the importance of those debates and conversations. Sure. But that's not necessarily what I'm trying to get us into here. I'm sure we have opinions on the subject, but we're not experts sure. on yeah. the theology yeah. and the scripture behind uh, sure. these positions. What I'm really getting into here is that even if we differ in the interpretation of scripture, we should all be able to agree that women are gifts to God's church. Right. And as men, we must honor the image of God in women and we must utilize their spirit given gifts. Hmm. And I think we can agree on this again, no matter where you come down, this Mm -hmm. quote is actually from a pastor in the Presbyterian church in America, which is the PCA and it's a complementarian denomination. So it's Hmm. a relatively theologically conservative denomination, Hmm. but he's kind of coming to this conclusion that gender roles aside, Mm -hmm. men and women have to be working together for the good of the gospel. Yeah. I've had a number of conversations about this with my wife because she's on staff at a church and has found herself right in the middle of this as a woman who works in ministry. And one of the things that we've discussed is that when we are primarily or sometimes even only exposed to men in leadership in Mm -hmm. ministries and in churches, we're kind of missing out on the other 50% of Mm. God's creation and what God potentially has to teach us, right? If we only hear male voices, we're missing out on a huge chunk of perspective that women can provide and speak into in a ministry context. Mm. And so whether you believe that only men should be like a senior pastor of a church, there are even in that context opportunities for women to be a part of church and church leadership. Mm. And I think we're honestly missing out on a lot when we diminish women's roles. Mm. I appreciate as a woman you saying that because... I don't work in a church specifically, but working in ministry, but also a professional industry. Mm-hmm. I've experienced a little of this, not from my coworkers, thankfully, because I have awesome coworkers, but from people I interact with in the industry outside of this building. Mm. There's times where it's felt weird. There's just this yeah. weird, hey, I'm a person too. I'm here yeah. at the table with you. I've put in the work as well. Can you see me? Can you hear me? Because yeah. <laughs> it's very hurtful to feel like, oh yeah, well, she doesn't count. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know. So I appreciate that, like you say, regardless of where you fall, there's gotta be room for respect and understanding. We were meant to be co-laborers. Like right. God created us this way on purpose. He said it's not good for the man to be alone and then created woman. So there's a lot of dignity and that so much added value. Yeah. Honestly, this quote for the most part is about humility. Mm. That's what I've been struck by is sometimes I have a tendency to think, okay, well, I have a wife who works in ministry and I'm totally on her side. And so mm-hmm. like, I'm on board with this. So I'm, yes. I'm one of the good guys, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. I, but sometimes I have to take a step back from that and go, okay, I have to take a really hard look at the culture that I've been raised in, both Christian subculture and in broader culture and some of the biases and things that are ingrained into who I am and how I act because of the environment that I've grown up in and realize that 
I am sometimes part of the problem here. Yeah. I'm not exempt from this. Mm-hmm. Like it, it'd be a really easy thing for me to just wag my finger at yeah. people who maybe have a different theological opinion than I do or yeah. come down on yeah. some of these things a little bit differently than me and say like, well, you're the real like source of the problem here. Mm-hmm. And that's what it feels like all these discussions effectively boil down to. Like yeah. all of the debates. Of finger wagging, right? Yeah, it's just finger wagging. And Mark's quote, it calls for introspection first that's before good. you start to do any other work. And I think you're right. dead on. Like there's a lot of demand and push for people to move in one direction or the other but it's usually in a more accusatory way of you need to change now and Mm. people rarely are taking the initiative to be like well what am i bringing to this exactly and so that's where i am like this is where i can make progress in this area is with me personally asking the question where has my male hubris and disrespect for women got in in the way Mm. of being co-laborers. Are there times where I'm working alongside a woman, either in my profession or at church or in any context, I have some biases or some behaviors Mm. that I don't even realize or that I don't even know that I have that Mm. are impacting the way that I work with women in my life. Mm. And that's where I have to start. And if I can't do that hard work of being introspective and figuring out where my own blind spots are, mm-hmm. I'm probably not going to make a lot of progress in wagging my finger and pointing mm, out blind right. spots in other people. Yeah. And I think we could apply this to a lot of areas of our lives, right? Like yeah. it, it's just so tempting the classic line from Jesus in scripture to point out the speck in other people's eyes before we focus on the log, the log in, our in our own. own. That's always where we want to start. Yep. And this is just one more example of an area where we probably have have quite a bit of stuff going on in our own eye that we need to take a look at before we start jumping on the way other people are messing this up or getting this wrong. Mm. Is it just me or it's probably just a case of the Mondays? Am I right? It's my turn for Is It Just Me, where we remind each other that no, you're not a total weirdo alien for that one thing. Although this week I'm a little concerned y'all might say I'm a total weirdo alien. (laughs) I'm ready. This could be the week. I'm (laughs) ready. This could be the one. Okay. It's kind of a question. Is it just me or do you have a weird coping mechanism that doesn't really make sense, either past or present, but it makes you feel better? Hmm. And I'll tell you what mine is. I don't know. So mine, this is very vulnerable, you guys. I'm Um, ready. (laughs) In college, I did this. I haven't done this as much recently, but when I'm like super anxious, super stressed, one time in college, I went to the library and I was like, I need to be alone, but I need to be more than just alone. I need to be like contained tightly in a small space. And I went to one of those study rooms Yes. and I closed the door and I had the light off and I was like, this isn't enough. And I got underneath the desk. Nice. I brought the light underneath the desk with me. I was Uh like, okay, I feel better now. And I have times still as an adult, usually when I've done lots and lots of extroverting or like when I'm just extra tired, where I have the urge to hide under my desk. And that is weird and very like seven-year-old thing to do. (laughs) But there's times... I mean, I can see. There's times where I feel like I would feel better if I hid under my desk. I don't do it as often anymore. So it's more small, confined spaces comfort. I think so. And I think that we just, we don't have architecture that lends itself to be super (laughs) confined like that. So I think the next best thing is a desk. So yeah, I think that's yeah. cool. Y'all are like, uh, oh, I'm trying to think if I have something that's something comparable, comparable to that. I know. <laughs> I, I do understand the appeal of right. a confined space. Yeah. Like I have yeah. the weighted blanket.
blanket that I, I do sleep too. with and yeah. things I do like too. that. And so I do think there are a lot of people who yeah. appreciate that feeling. Yeah. There is something psychological about it. When you look at bulls, for example, when they're in a rodeo, they put them in those tight little, I don't know what they're called, areas. Corrals. Or Corral, yeah, like a corral. So it's definitely like a documented psychological thing. It just yeah. feels very weird when I'm sitting yeah. at my desk and all of a sudden I'm like, I don't want to hide under the dog. <laughs> so I'm thinking about it now. I do two things. One of them is to kind of get the jitters out. I'll feel like I'm doing good and then my brain will just get tingly and be like, failure, failure, failure. Uh, and I have to like get away from that. Yes. I will physically get up and put on a heavy song yeah. and throw punches and spin kicks nice. to it. And I literally like, <laughs> hey, I literally do one man mosh pit in my office. That's awesome. And after three minutes, you physically exhaust yourself. It's a thing. And it like it flushes your head out and you're yeah. like, OK, I'm good now. Like, I don't know what that does, oh, but I think like cool. my monkey brain needing to either run or fight something. Yep. yep. It, it satisfies both of those things. Yeah. It's like, and OK, you're safe now. You it's did that. Really you, nice. Yes. Yeah. That's so fun. So I do that. And then I also hot shower at any point in the day. Like, oh. I'll just go like, OK, we're going to reset. I will go nice. take a 10 minute hot shower yeah, and with you on that one. Redo. That's a yeah. good one. Yeah. That feels yeah. so good. Yeah. yeah, that does. My wife and I often have had debates about the whole enclosed spaces thing yes, because she's she kind of claustrophobic. Yeah. And that is really interesting to me how different people can know, be on I that know. point. Like, mm-hmm. I love the weighted blankets. I don't mind a small enclosed space. Yeah. I don't normally get under my desk, but I can no. appreciate. <laughs> I do very much like I'm tracking with you as to yeah. why, why that would be appealing. Yeah. yeah. Whereas yeah. my wife is like, no, that sounds like the worst thing in the world. And that's like, fair. And that's, that's interesting how different people can be on some of those coping mechanisms and how some of them have like the complete opposite effect effect for certain people. Right. Which is why we all have to figure out our own. Like I can't just do what everybody else does. You kind of have to go with what works for you. Yes. All right. So we need to find like a small little room. with a desk in it. You probably really enjoy building like blanket forts and stuff then, right? Oh, heck like, yes. They're that would the be best. like, you need like an actual just permanent blanket fort I do fort need a permanent office. blanket fort in my office. That would be office. very cool. I need to work on this. I have yeah. space in my office. I could probably make that happen. Panel of experts. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. They said we could become anything as children because we were raised in that era of infinite (laughs) potential. So darn it, we became everything. Oh, man. This week, we are tackling a local story from a local Arkansas town. A local high school in Arkansas facing mounting pressure from parents to change their mascot, a mythical figure known as Little Henry. Hmm. After images have gone viral... And many on the internet are concerned about what's going on in this small town. Joining us today on our show is concerned parent Karen Crispin. Yes. Who says that the mascot should be changed to a more conventional character. Mm-hmm. And local folklorist Marty Jeffries, who says that little Henry's uniqueness is part of what makes the area and the high school special. Now, Marty, starting with you, in certain circles, there's some celebrated history behind this mascot. But I got to admit, doing some research for this story and having seen the appearance of Little Henry today, (laughs) it is a little off-putting, okay? (laughs) From your perspective, Little Henry as a mascot, why so many bat wings on (laughs) one figure? 
You know, one of the reasons that I love Lil Henry is because he exists in the shadows. Okay. He exists in the periphery of our minds. <laughs> no one has ever gotten a perfectly clear look at Lil Henry. Yes. And therefore, we're left to speculate a little bit on Lil Henry's actual appearance. So there is a little bit of artistic interpretation and license that yes. comes up when we're talking about Lil Henry. You are onto something with the number of wings that Lil Henry has. Some people say they do resemble a bat's wings the number of wings i would guess are probably somewhere in the 14 to 18 range yes i've really narrowed it down to that number in fact i'm pretty sure we're talking about an exact 17 wings okay uh, that little henry possesses an odd number yes and there's kind of a, a bill much like a goose the honking sound that emits from little henry is also similar to a goose and yet the wings are much smaller and more numerous and that's where i think you get the bat comparison well, that's where we get the honk call at every football game that we do exactly yeah. and the wings also protrude from almost frighteningly sharp angles from little yeah. henry in almost every direction yeah it's a little bit confusing to understand how little henry could maintain a given trajectory with those wings all seemingly working against each other and yet that's what's so beautiful is despite his confusing and malformed appearance he's still a very majestic and graceful creature yes <laughs> local folklore <laughs> marty now miss crispin you've stated in other interviews that such a mascot is actually disturbing enough to prevent parents from signing their children up for activities related to the school's team. What would you deem as a more appropriate mascot for our area? Yes, I just think this is just, it's too dark. I'm just thinking my children do not need to be exposed to this demonic folklore that has been prevalent in our area for so long. Why can't we go with something nice and biblical like an eagle or a lion? There's plenty of animals in the animal kingdom to choose from. Why do we have to go with something so corrupt? You want to talk about biblical. (laughs) Let's take a look and crack open the book (laughs) of Revelation. You're going to see some stuff a lot like little Henry. In fact, I would say there is not a creature more biblical than little Henry. I mean, the number of wings, the number of eyeballs looking in every single direction, the fire and brimstone that we believe little Henry is capable on calling down upon his enemies. You can't get more biblical than little Henry. And Marty, keeping with that, the artists behind the original little Henry concept in response to the criticism faced by Miss Crispin's group have tweeted out during this interview that they are redesigning the figure back to the drawing board. But the tweet only says, louder. Any follow-up to that? Oh, little Henry's honk is legendary. And anybody who's ever played in a high school football game against our town understands the fear that little Henry's honk can put into the hearts of young men and young women. <laughs> An eagle's screech is just not going to have the same impact as a little Henry honk. There is some speculation that little Henry actually has three bills on his face and that's what allows the honk to be both louder and also polyphonic in nature. There's a harmony to little Henry's noises. It's in a minor key and it's very terrifying when you hear it. I don't see how any replacement that we could come up with could have the intimidation factor that little Henry has. I mean, we're not talking about elevation 
elementary school sports. Here we're talking about high school kids. All of our high school kids will tell you they love the fear and trembling that little Henry inspires in the hearts of their opponents. And accompanying the little Henry redesign, Miss Crispin, the team uniform, the official color now just says void black. Do you have any <laughs> differing color options along with your concept of maybe an eagle or a lion? Black. Come on. Why do we got to go to the dark side all the time? I think there's so many more colors in the rainbow, y'all. We can bring in the light of Jesus with yellow or gold. What is this obsession with black and darkness and bat wings? It's just ungodly. Thank you both so much for joining me today. Just for the folks at home, we're going to include a sample from the Little Henry famous <laughs> goose honk. So please listen for that. Without much further ado, I give you the word of the week. All right, and now it's time to discuss our word of the week, which is like a perspective potluck, but with words and ideas instead of deviled eggs. Ooh. Ooh. A few weeks ago was Easter, yeah. and one of my favorite food mainstays of really? Easter is the deviled egg. Really? Interesting. You guys not deviled eggs fans? Well, I mean, I like them, but they're not like a staple at most of my family meals. Really? Yeah. I can appreciate yeah, I mean, a good hard-boiled egg, but the deviled egg, there's just a different texture to that. Brie uh, loves them. I stay away from them. Oh, man. You're missing out. I'm a big fan. I'll eat all the deviled eggs myself. I was about to say, it's more for you. I'm not disappointed by that. (laughs) Our word of the week this week is gentleness. As we mentioned at the top of the show, we had a more difficult word of the week, or maybe not difficult, but uh, maybe a slightly more negative word of the week Mm. in our last episode Mm. with discipline. So we wanted to do a little bit of a reverse, go the opposite direction this time. Maybe do a little bit of a a word that has a few more warm fuzzies associated Mm. with it. What does gentleness look like? What does a gentle Mm. person look like? And what do you appreciate about a person who exhibits gentleness? The first person that comes to mind for me is Mr. Rogers. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) I know that some people make fun of his gentleness, but also in the last few years, there's been like a revival of interest in him Mm -hmm, and like mm -hmm. a lot of movies made about him and how subversive his TV show really was about gentleness and love. And like he was just the epitome of a gentle person. I can imagine being in the room with him and just going, ah, there was so many things about him that he just exuded Mm -hmm. gentleness. Yes. I think that's a fantastic example. He's almost universally respected. Yeah. yeah. And he was a Christian pastor. Yeah. Yet our secular culture even very much noted something in him that was just very different in how almost extreme his gentleness was. And and that kind of sounds like a silly statement, extreme gentleness. Yeah. But that's kind of almost what I think of with him, even in environments where that's not expected. Like he kind of created an environment of gentleness on his show. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. I think that's why people are so obsessed with these videos of him, like speaking at award shows or things like that. Because even in those contexts where you have celebrities and all these people who are not known for their modesty or any of that, and he gets up there and opens his mouth He just commands the attention of the room with his quiet, small, strong, but very gentle voice. Exactly. It's kind of remarkable. I like that you went the direction of Mr. Rogers because part of my pandemic self-care through the last year on our TV, we get the Bob Ross channel. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Listen, when I tell you that I have consumed hours of Bob Ross content at this point, like my overlap between how I view Jesus and now how I like... (laughs) It's it's a I have a very Bob Rossi and Jesus picture in my head He's now. He's got the Bob Ross of, voice. Of, yeah, like yeah. just all right, the kids, let the little kids come over 
here. (laughs) That just overlaps completely now. And after a hard day of the news and everything hitting you, Mm -hmm. just a guy painting a mountain. It satisfies two things. It's creativity. Yeah. But then it's also him just quietly talking through what he's doing, kind of like methodical. It's just so nice. Yeah, that's that's my that's that's a good one. So obviously there's a lot of appeal in Mm -hmm. character traits like that that are embodied by a Mr. Rogers or by Bob Ross. And yet I think there is maybe almost a little bit of a caricaturization that we can do of that. Right. Like Bob Ross in particular, everybody loves him, but there is kind of a jokiness to it as well. It is a little hokey. Yeah. Yeah. Almost like a cynicism about like, is that really real? Right. Like it it maybe is a little bit of an act or if it's not an act for people like Bob Ross or for Mr. Rogers, Mm -hmm. those people are so rare. Yeah. Right. Most they're not. They're not us. Aren't like like that. That's not a normal. It's unusual to come across. Yeah. Yeah. And so is there a danger, I guess, of Mm. turning gentleness into almost a caricature? Mm. Like to be gentle, you have to be painting happy little trees or hosting a children's show. But if you're involved in like the real world, we can't afford to be radically gentle. And that's kind of something that I had rattling around in my head is I had this sort of wink, wink, nod, nod thing. Well, it's that person's job to be gentle, but it's our job to, you know, be hard and take care of business, get things done, kind of keep that in. So other Mm. people have the luxury of being gentle. One other aspect of that, too, is there's been this growing sentiment in our culture. Silence is violence kind of things. And And I think there's some merit to the idea that speaking up or standing up for certain things is important. Just ignoring problems is not a good way to handle them. Mm. But I think one potential side effect of that is this idea that we don't have the luxury of being gentle. Mm. If we want to get something done in our culture, mm-hmm. we want to make something happen. We want to be a proponent for change. We've got to be aggressive. Like We've got to be aggressive about it yeah. because yeah. gentleness isn't good enough. It's not going to work. That is interesting. I agree. I think most people, if we're really honest about it in our everyday life, might see gentleness as weakness. When I think of gentleness, I think of strength under control. Mm -hmm. That didn't originate with me. I think there was a sermon or something once where someone was talking about like a mother lion carrying a cub in her mouth. That is a picture of strength under control. Mm-hmm. You know what she can do with those teeth? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. And yet she's exercising extreme care and gentleness with her strength. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So it's kind of almost marrying these seemingly disparate things together. Yes. That's what results in gentleness. Like yeah. in environments where maybe almost the easier way out would have been to be more demonstrative or to be less gentle. Yeah. In those situations, maintaining an air of gentleness actually requires a lot of strength it because does. that's the countercultural way yeah. of acting yeah. in, in a given situation. Well, and kind of like we were talking about earlier, how often have you been in a situation where someone provokes you and your immediate response is like this gut level rising up of mm. like, oh, no, you didn't. And you know how much strength it takes to change that, to rein in your adrenaline and your amygdala that's just automatically going into fight or flight. Yeah. You know how much strength it takes to rein that in and go, no, hang yeah. on. What is the gentle response here? Yeah. It's extremely difficult. So it takes an extreme amount of strength. I think. Gentleness is kind of where we have a split between our biological response and a mm. philosophical ideal that we take on. Gentleness is not a character trait that would let a creature survive 
a long time. Like, right. you have spikes on porcupines for a reason, like, because they can't attack. <laughs> Gentleness is that thing where it mm. feels hard because it is. It is counterintuitive mm. to you on like a physiological level. You're right. talking about the amygdala. Yeah, like, you've been wronged. That triggers the little spark in your noggin where it's like, well, fight time, or I'm going to run, or both. Exactly. And gentleness is really that conscious choice to override your body's response to something. Right. That's hard. Yeah, it's it's super really hard. hard. And I think one of the ironic things is that when we're in a position of strength, that is probably when we need to apply gentleness mm. the most. Yeah. If you have younger siblings or if you have kids or nieces or nephews mm. and you've ever wrestled with them on the floor yeah. and you're the biggest one in the scrum, uh-huh. gentleness is most required of you. Oh. Right. Like yeah. when I'm playing on the floor with my kids, I have to be extremely gentle yeah. because yeah. I am capable of hurting my kids in a way that they are not capable of doing yeah. to me. Yeah. Right. If my mm. kindergarten age daughter suplexes me, like <laughs> I'm probably going to be okay, right. but yeah. I can't pick her up and chuck her on the ground yeah. without causing a significant amount of harm to her. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. when we are in a position of strength, that's when I need gentleness the most. Like I, I said at the top of the show that sometimes I struggle with gentleness around my kids. Hmm. When I'm relating to my kids, I'm in a position of authority, yeah. Yeah. right? When I'm speaking to them, I'm in charge. So right. I have the power. And therefore that's when gentleness, I think is mm-hmm. simultaneously the hardest, but also the most necessary because I'm in a position to ignore it if I want to. Right. When I don't have to be that's mm-hmm. when it's most that's needed. Need it. That's yeah. interesting. And it makes me think of Jesus. That's the whole thing about him becoming, he was God. He can do whatever he wants. And he was like, so I'm going to become a human and a baby and a little fragile, like human body and choose to be gentle to people. And even when he was dying on a cross, mm-hmm. I mean, he, <laughs> my husband and I were talking about this this morning when they came to get Jesus in the garden, there's like this angry mob and they're like, are you Jesus? And he's like, I am. And they fell down. Somebody can speak words to you and you fall to the ground Mm. that is strength Mm. and yet he allowed himself to be taken away and put on a cross that is gentleness in yeah. the extreme. Yeah. And I think as a culture, we make power sort of the end all, like power in form of money or position mm-hmm. of authority. Like power is the end all be all. That's what's at the top of the mountain that you're trying to climb. Yeah. The distinction that Jesus brings is like using that power as a restorative tool versus mm-hmm. like a punishing, inflicting yeah. tool. That's so good. Ooh, that's a good way to put it. Let's talk about gentleness in the context of Christian subculture for a moment, Ooh. because if I can be super critical of ourselves for a moment. It seems like a spirit of gentleness, perhaps more than anything else, is what's missing, Mm. at least in our country among Christians. Christians are not known for being gentle. And yet, Jonathan Edwards, who himself was known as the fiery Puritan, (laughs) not exactly known for gentleness himself, wrote this, that a lamb-like, dove-like spirit and temper is the true distinguishing disposition of the hearts of Christians. He goes on to say, gentleness is a virtue which I need in a higher degree to give a beauty and luster to my behavior. Mm. If I had more of an air of gentleness, I should be much mended. I can't help but think that that's probably true for most of us as Christians, that Mm. if we had a greater degree of gentleness, we would be much Mm. mended. I was uh, recently listening to a podcast and the hosts were discussing some recent events surrounding Dave Ramsey, the financial freedom guru guy. He's been in the news lately for several reasons. The TLDR is that a Christian reporter wrote an article about him basically being a bully. Mm. uh, And he responded to this reporter with this scathing, sarcastic email that basically made fun of the reporter for being stupid and poor. He copied it to like 
all of his thousand employees and hundreds of other pastors and people basically encouraging them to harass this guy. Like he doxed him, gave him his phone number and address and encouraged people to call him. Oh, that's an act of violence. Yeah. And and so like that's not good. Basically took an article about how he was a bully and bullied this guy. (laughs) And the hosts of this podcast I was listening to were making the point that if Christians can't act with basic kindness, Mm. that should be a pretty big red flag. Like that should be our starting point. Right. Like if Jesus exemplified anything, it was basic decency, kindness, gentleness. Right. And yet we've just spent all of this time leading up to this point talking about how hard that is. Yeah. Yeah. And so I feel like there's kind of this conflict there within Mm. me of like, Basic human decency should be mm-hmm. a pretty low bar to clear. And yet, yet it's not. I feel like I'm starting to get pretty judgmental when I take on that attitude. Maybe that's an extreme example. Mm-hmm. Not mm-hmm. sending an email to thousands of people encouraging them to harass someone should be a pretty low bar to clear. Right. But there are lots of other ways in which we have all been guilty of lacking a spirit of gentleness and kindness. Yes. Yeah. Just like we were talking about in one of the segments earlier in this podcast, like log in my own eye kind of thing. I probably need to be very careful about immediately jumping to criticizing other people's lack of gentleness without first examining my own Yeah, because there's plenty of it to go around. And I think that it's important to recognize that we as a culture don't really prioritize gentleness like we've talked about. That is not something that we make a lot of movies about like no. think of all the action movies they first have to set up the narrative of like it's a man pushed too far yes. they gotta have this moment where like well he was patient but like now it's punishing time like and I think that we can't help but sort of take on that own narrative in our own heads so like I'll be nice but yeah. everyone's got a line well Jesus huh. was literally taken by an angry mob yeah. and I think that there were many lines that we would have drawn that were crossed through that entire thing right, right? turn the other cheek to a major extreme yeah. to an extreme that a lot of people would say you shouldn't like yeah. that's wrong even so yeah. if the to, goal to allow that if the goal there is to be counterculturally gentle you need to be ready to look kind of like a doormat and a dork yeah. I would say like at least mm-hmm. by our own flawed definitions that we've now taken right on. and I think that is starting to get at the answer to this question that I brought up of like why as christians do we have such a hard time with this yeah because it is so radical yeah because it's so weird our culture is not a gentle culture Mm -hmm. and so why are christians failing so hard at gentleness because it's (laughs) It's really really hard hard to be gentle when you're not treated gently that's just really really hard so i guess that leads us to kind of this final question which is Okay, if Jesus's gentleness is something we're supposed to emulate and gentleness is really hard, especially when we live in a culture where gentleness is a rather antiquated virtue, Mm -hmm. how do we cultivate gentleness? This is funny because I feel like we always come back here at the end of most of our podcasts and I don't mean for it to sound like we're just tying a bow on this, but it feels like something that's not possible without Jesus because he is the ultimate example and because it takes such a tremendous amount of inner strength. Scott Sauls, he actually wrote a book called The Gentle Answer. He says, to gain strength and courage to offer a gentle answer, we must first be flooded by the reality that we've already received one mm. from Jesus. That, like that we have received one when we were undeserving and yeah. when we were hostile yes. to God. He sought after us and gave us a gentle answer. Yeah. Fully absorbing the magnitude of Christ's gentleness towards us. Yeah. One of my favorite songs, How Deep the Father's Love for Us, the mm-hmm. line, it was my sin that held him there, mm-hmm. has always been so convicting to me because yeah. it, it reframes the crucifixion for me from something that happened to Jesus. That's something that I am responsible for. Mm. Like it was my sin that held him there. There's a personal 
personal responsibility. Jesus did what he did because of who I am, both because of who I've been and because of who I am in him. Yet how deep the father's love for us like that's Mm -hmm. that's a proof of how deep the father's love for us really does run that Jesus would choose to subject himself to that on my behalf. And so I think if we have a proper, a healthy understanding of how deep Christ's gentleness has extended towards us, like that has to be the source for an outflow of gentleness towards others. Without that understanding, I think a lack of gentleness almost makes too much sense. Right. Because a lack of gentleness sometimes gets stuff done. Yeah. Like if we want to get stuff done, being gentle isn't necessarily the way to go. It may not be the most effective thing at all times, and yet it's the thing that we're called to. If it's not the most effective thing, there has to be some deeper underlying reason for us to embrace gentleness beyond just... Well, that's how I'm going to get things accomplished in life or get what I want. It's a denial of your base instincts and what you feel like you're owed. Yeah, that's mm. you have to hit the brakes and go, Okay, if I'm in the mode where I'm going, well, you owe me this. No, they Mm. really don't. You've been given what you need through Christ. Your job is to now reflect that outward. And that is so hard. Yeah, I love that you said that word denial, because to me, I think that Mm. kind of strikes at the heart of it. Gentleness Mm. is self-denial yeah mm. and that's why it's so hard is because no one wants to do that no <laughs> like, nobody, nobody likes wants that. to deny self and yet that's exactly what christ calls us to do yeah, yeah. and that's why this is so challenging yeah, yeah. Uh, is because it's not normal it's not something we naturally desire it's yeah. not something that other people around us are going to be doing walking right. away from an argument where you've been the gentle one you are not going to feel good Ooh. walking away from that <gasps> and yet it's so compelling like when we see examples of gentleness like mr rogers right yeah. we're like absolutely fascinated and mesmerized by it people are just drawn to him so i think there's that too it's not celebrated it's not natural but when we practice it, something of Jesus shows up that people go, whoa, whoa, whoa. What right. is that? And I think that's an important point, Kara, because self-denial, while we would say like, okay, that's not something that anyone would ever want. Why does God want that for us? Mm-hmm. Is it because he really just wants to screw us over? Mm-hmm. Like, because he doesn't want us to have good things or he doesn't want us to be happy. Yeah. Why does God ask us to suffer? Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Right. Because it's good for us. <laughs> And that's one of the hardest truths, I think, is that self-denial and suffering is actually good for us. And there are moments like in Mr. Rogers or people where we see the value in it. It kind of cuts through and we go, oh, wait, that actually is appealing. There actually is something good about that. Yeah. Most of the time, that's really difficult to see. But I think that's an important point. Ultimately, God wants us to be gentle. He wants us to self-deny. He wants us even to suffer because it's good for us, because Mm -hmm. it makes us more like him. It makes us Mm -hmm. into better people. So there is a little bit of hope on the horizon, right? Mm -hmm. It's not just a, I want you to do this terrible, awful thing that will never do you any good (laughs) because I said so. Right. Like Mm -hmm. that's the kind of person we want to be, if we're really honest, like Mm -hmm. we want to become like Mr. Rogers-esque. Ultimately, we want to become like Jesus, but we want that. We just don't always like what it takes to get there. All right. And now it is time for fill in the blank. Instead of drawing a blank, we're going to fill one in a specific way. I could be more gentle is. And I'll start us this time speaking to my kids with self-control when they frustrate me. If there's an area to start with in my life, it would be in the relationship where I have the most power and authority. Mm -hmm. If I can display gentleness in that relationship that is 
so lopsided. I think I can be gentle in a lot of areas of my life. That's really good. Oh, man. Specific way I could be more gentle is responding slower when people are not gentle with me. Taking a minute Mm -hmm. and stopping instead of reacting quickly, responding kindly and just even taking a minute to say, Jesus, help help me. <laughs> I think yeah. that gets at the heart of the fact that being gentle is not natural. Yes. It's not an instinct. No. And so when we follow our instincts, uh-huh. we're going to default into a lack of gentleness. Yeah. Exactly. And so being gentle takes time. Yeah. We're subverting our instincts. Yeah. yeah. And that's really hard to do. Yeah. The word respect and respectful keeps mm. coming back to mind for me because I think that mm. I can code switch very quickly between respecting someone and being kind to them, being gentle with them right up to a point where it's not being returned or I feel like I've been wronged. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're now an obstacle. You are now an obstruction. You're a bother Mm -hmm. and I can Mm -hmm. treat you however I want to treat you. And I always have that instinct to lash out and be Mm -hmm. mean. And I, I shouldn't really work on that. All right. Good stuff. I'm going to go eat some deviled eggs. Oh, you guys can eat whatever the heck you want. (laughs) Nasty. (laughs) Nasty. Thanks for listening to the Really Real Podcast. Get more content or air your grievances in the Real FM Insider Facebook group at real.fm slash insiders. Unless you've quit social media because it's rotting our brains. Uh, Then you could, I don't know, send us a letter or something. I don't actually know how that works. Tune in next time to hear Anson, Kara, and Isaac say... The first time was just to practice. Uh, yeah, that's right. Now we really know what we're going to say. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs>